Hello everyone. We're back on the podcast. I'm so excited. Yes, I'm a week late. I feel nothing about that to be honest. Um I was visiting my mom for Mother's Day, so I hope you hugged your mom and if your mom is not in your life right now, I hope you had someone to hug on Mother's Day. Um we're back on the intersection podcast where we talk about life, culture, faith, and where they all intersect. And today's gonna be a little different because I have a guest. Oh my gosh, I'm really excited. This has been like kind of um, on in the works for a long time, so I'm really excited about this. Um, but Miss Christina Utley is with me today. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> From the So Story podcast, and she has some wisdom that she's about to drop on y'all. Or we're both gonna do that, but I'm super excited to hear her voice on the podcast. Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm glad to be here. Like you said, this has been a long time coming, and I'm really excited. Yay! Awesome. So, we have a heavy topic to talk about today. That's true. It's going to be... It's, I feel like it's going to be fun, but it's also going to be something that many of us have avoided talking about because it has to deal with vulnerability and creative work which ironically should mm-hmm. go hand in hand mm-hmm. but for the most part <laughs> live in different sectors of our mind right. um so yeah we're just gonna like hop into it i guess let's go awesome so today's topic is about um self-censorship in creativity um christina is a writer like i said she is she has her own podcast Hopefully we'll have another podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but she's also a singer and she does all the things. And so, um, like me, she's had to sort of go through what it means to create, what it means to tell her story. And so I guess the first question that we should jump into is, when did you know that communication and storytelling in any format that you do it mm-hmm. um, was a call for you? Well, I really needed other people to affirm it first. I didn't see it in myself. Ooh. Oh, I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't that great of a writer growing up. And then my second semester, senior year of high school, I was in a writing class. I had been demoted from my honors class to where the... The most regular people are. <laughs> wow, that's ruthless. <laughs> These administrators. And uh, and I had this really great textbook that actually laid everything out for me up until that point. I had just been writing in a way that mimicked the books that I had read when I was younger. I was like a proficient reader when I was little, but I just didn't know why I was writing the way I was. I, it didn't make sense. I was just kind of doing it. I couldn't put two and two together there. Oh. So when I was in this class, I actually had more space to learn as opposed to when I was supposed to be in an honors class. And the textbook was great. It highlighted everything for me. Uh, but my teacher, she called it out. She sat with me and she was like, you're doing really, really well in this class. Why are you in this class? Mm-hmm. And that's where I thought like, oh, maybe maybe I am a writer. 
Okay, okay. And then another time, I was telling a story with my friends. And I tell really, really long stories because I always feel like I need to start at the beginning. <laughs> because you do. Or you can start in medias res, but still, you got to go back to the beginning. <laughs> right, right. And I'm always like, wait, no, let me back up. Yeah. Wait, no, a little bit before that. <laughs> Creating context. Yes, context is key. I don't, yeah. So I would tell my friends these stories, but they would always like roll their eyes at me and they get really upset that I was just taking forever to tell these stories until one of my friends, she was a little bit newer to my group and she just stopped what she was doing one day as she was listening to me and she just goes, you're such a writer. I love it. Oh, you always start from the beginning. You know, let people have their details. I never, I never realized I never realized that that's something that I did or that that's something that people could appreciate. Oh, yes. Like, a good storyteller is key. Like, you need that. I just thought I was annoying, though. No. And See, that's also, life, look at a lie from the enemy trying to show up. That's also high school insecurity. This is true. I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Just consistently feeling like you're not good at whatever or you're always in the way or whatever. So I really needed other people to call out the things that they saw in my life that were valuable and that I should continue to work on because they were blessing other people. Mm, that's good. But what about you? So I started writing very young. Mm -hmm. um, and it was sort of always like a fun hobby. Uh, I'm an only child. So mm. for me, it's like I'm... I was just sitting in my head with like all my imaginary friends, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, and I read a lot, um, but I feel like the thing that sort of called me to it is when I finished, when I started my first book and I was like, oh, this just seems like it seemed so normal to me. Like mm -hmm. I remember reading, which is dumb because I read a John Green book, mm -hmm. which John Green's like the holy grail. If you're talking about writers as a young adult writer, you're like, that was your, that was your, and I was like, this is easy. And then I started doing it. I was like, this is not easy. Mm. But it was still really fun to me. Like, it was fun to s create worlds that were different than my own. Mm. Um, and also, I think that storytelling for me helped me connect to people that I, like, would never interact with. Like, I just, like, would never find that sense of um, belonging to, like, the world the same way I would if I could like conjure it up in my own head. Um, and then eventually I traveled and then that was like kind of like it solidified it because I wanted to share what I had, like what I saw uh -huh. with the world, which was, I think that that's, for me, it's a, that's a big part of communication. It's like, oh, I have this new thing mm -hmm. that I just want everyone to know about. Um, and it sucked because I think that a lot of times it, it felt like I was like, I'm the only one that's like this of all my friends. Like a lot of my friends are mm. very, um, either one, they're very visual or they're more like they physically do things. And I'm always yeah. looking for the story in something. Like I'm always looking for like, why do you do the thing you do? Or like, like what is it? Like I'm yes. looking for the process. Yes. Because if I know the process, then one, I can either Im imitate it mm -hmm. or two, I can like, figure out why that works and then like share it like it's just like yeah. I'm always looking for the next thing um but it, it was just like a way for me to connect with like mm. 
everything around me. Like that's what to me storytelling is, is like connecting dots of people and objects to each other. Um, because that's what I always wanted. I think that like I wanted to like not feel like I was in the trap mm. of my own mind. Yeah. And so stories help you do that. And I appreciate I also just like appreciate like good stories, like good books that like even if they seem outlandish or mm-hmm. cheesy or whatever the case may be, it's like if you can execute a really good story, yeah. Then it's to me like I'm like that is really hard. Yeah. And so I was inspired by stories and I think that eventually I just like honed the craft of doing it. So mm-hmm. I like I went from writing poetry to writing books to writing like articles and essays. So like I think that like it's evolved and it's changed over time, but it sort of stayed the same. And then eventually like I had this podcast like that sort of the oral storytelling, that was something like you that like people had to like tell me, <laughs> had to speak into it. They were like, you should have a podcast. I was like, I'm just opinionated. They're like, yeah, opinionated <laughs> people have podcasts. That's how this works. <laughs> um, and so that sort of is what led to this. But for a long time, I was just like, it's not like anyone cares about my opinion. And they're like, actually, that's why we think you should have it. Because, you know, we care about the opinion and it would be easier to synthesize it in the one space. And I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah, I think many times we, we shut down the things that, like, were like, this seems weird or this seems like a burden because we don't want yeah. that part of us to, like, be too much. I mean, it's all that, there's always that worry of too much. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. You don't want to be too much because sometimes you are too much if you're too different. Yeah. Or if you're, sometimes you're, the way that you are different disrupts other people. They just weren't ready for it. Oh, yes. And, and then what do you, and then you feel like you have to sort of feel bad about disrupting them in some kind of way with just your natural expression or your creative expression, but you there, there's no guilt to be felt about that. Yeah, like you're like you're just different, and like that's okay. But I think that it's kind of that's kind of an interesting thing to think about because when it comes to being different or being other, mm-hmm. um, especially if we're talking about in creative spaces, yeah. That's like the, I think that that's what people, it's almost like people put that on a pedestal. They idolize that part of creative, of the creative space as like, how different can I be? That's true. How other can I be? That's real. But then it's like, then where, when you are that, that you're like, no, 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 I can't, I can't be that. I can't be that other. I can't be that different. Right. And I think to me, like, it's like, how do we... How do you idolize something that you, like, don't want to be, on the other hand? How can I be unique, but how can I also blend in? How can I be like everybody else? Yeah. Because I don't want to be unique at the cost of my community. Say that again for for people in the back that might not hurt. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be unique at the cost of my community. I don't want to be so different that other people feel like I'm unapproachable. That other people feel like I'm not going to relate to what they're going through in life. I mean, 
I also really struggle with things and there might be certain things that I say sometimes that come off, um, I don't know, a little bit more ele elegant than the common vernacular or what have you. But that doesn't mean that <laughs> this morning I didn't struggle with a tube of toothpaste. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I really need help. I need people. I need Ooh, people. Yeah. Okay, first of all, so <laughs> if you haven't, I didn't do my like normal little segment in front. But if you haven't, you should listen to Ari Lennox's album. And there's a song in there that, like, there's a, like, interlude where she talks about, like, getting a new apartment, like, living by herself, and she loves it. Mm. And then the interlude at the end is she's, like, she's looking around her apartment and all of her furniture, and she's, like, none of this is going to fulfill me. Like, none of this is going to love me. None of this is going to do anything. Like, and I realize I need people. And I was, like... Wow. If this ain't my life, though. Yeah, that makes me want to cry right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's crazy to me. Like, we we love the idea of isolation. Mm -hmm. We love the idea of being different and separate and, like, extraordinary. Mm -hmm. But then when we get there, we're like, this is so uncomfortable. Yeah. This space, because it's like... Yes, you can process by yourself as long as you want to. You can create by yourself as long as you want to. But, like, eventually, you're going to need someone to be like, hey, I see you. And if that's not created, then it's just silent. Mm -hmm. And silence, as beautiful as it is, it's loud. It is so deafeningly loud. Yeah. And for creatives, it just gets louder. Like it doesn't, it, it just like, it doesn't breathe any life. Yeah. It's, it's just like its own, it's its own form of wilderness. It's its own form of darkness. Because it's like, you can create and create and create and create. Mm -hmm. But you're, all your, it's like overexposure. And eventually it's like, have you seen yourself? Yeah. It's like this weird, I don't know, to me it's like this strange middle ground that we have to just vacillate in. <laughs> We're just yeah. like, let me be different, let me be other, let me like, not necessarily mean that you have to do everything to, to fit in and like you have to let go of your values or your morals, but it's also, if you need a hand, you can need a hand. Yeah. Because I totally know what you mean by like, you need help or like you need when you say you need people like just because someone does something really well or comes off like oh they they got it they got it together right because because of how you talk the way you present yourself because what they don't see is in the darkness you're like uh, a pile of mush on the floor mm -hmm. and then when they see it they're like wait a minute <laughs> like I didn't know this part. I was like, oh no, this part's always existed. It never, ever goes away. Ever. Yeah. And we need other people's help. Like, you're talking about how silence can get so loud, and we need to really be able to see ourselves. But sometimes, in the midst of all of the loudness from the silence, we, we don't know how to stop. 
and and be still and look at ourselves and we really need other people to help us with that and at the same time I know I really really struggle with this it's it's really allowing other people to know me like when someone says I see you I have a choice in that moment to say either like thank you and really receive that or I'm like, you'll never understand me. <laughs> I'm too complicated. <laughs> yes. My yes. heart is a rainforest. <laughs> Just the safari, okay? Like, yes. Yeah. Keep going to it's, different parts. There's different animals there. <laughs> it's a whole mess of vines. Like, you don't know what's happening. And so... I think that brings me to a, like this this thought of self censorship as well because uh, when I oh my gosh I'm scared even just talking about this right now. It's this ain't this ain't is not an easy topic. And if anyone thinks that this is like a fun, we we're both like trying to like not move. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right. When it comes to self-censorship, um, it, I think that I find myself choosing not to put certain parts of myself in my work or on display because I'm scared of what other people will see. And not even just that they will see it, but what kind of conclusions they're going to draw. Ooh. That's the part that I can't control. Sometimes I'm really okay with you seeing it, but I'm really not okay with how you might perceive it. And what might happen after you've drawn your conclusion? What are you going to say? What are you going to tell your friends? Who are you going to talk to about it? What about my family? When my family hears my voice on my podcast, do they talk to one another about what I have said? You know? Or like, did I say something this in this one moment and I didn't think that it meant anything, but all of a sudden I've created this whole new narrative for someone else that is really harmful because they, they caught a 30-second sound bite and they think, oh, now Christina feels a way about this type of thing. You know, mm-hmm. and it, or, I don't know, I don't want to start new conflict. I think that's something that, that holds me back sometimes. I don't want to start a new conflict with the way that people might perceive me. I don't want my aunts to be upset. How <laughs> uh, specifically was your aunts that you didn't I want? think about my aunts a lot. They have no idea <laughs> that I consider their opinions. <laughs> she loves you, y'all. She loves you. <laughs> yes. But I, yeah, I just, I don't want, um, I don't want to be cause for conversation. And at the same time, I know that part of what I need to be doing in this world is inciting conversation so that people will be able to look at themselves and at their lives, at their sense of purpose, or be able to hold one another up and say, like, hey, we're in this together. I don't know. Like there, I, I, I feel like I'm supposed to be engaging in, in projects and places that help people feel more connected so that means i have to be out here but you don't want to be out here hell no (laughs) 
Oh, it's so uncomfortable because sometimes I I know that people will come to me and say, hey, I really appreciate the way you said X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, I see you out here. Thank you. But sometimes I don't expect someone to truly see me. It's when I'm not expecting someone to, to relate with me and to resonate with something that I've done or said. And then they approach me with this really kind-hearted word. That's the stuff I'm scared of. That's that's real. Because that's, that'll that's hit you deep when you're not when you're not prepared. Which most of the time you're not prepared. Oh gosh, I hate it. <laughs> but it's it's also so good. And I do that to other people all the time, so I really can't be complaining. <laughs> like I was about to say, I was like, that's literally how we met y'all. <laughs> She rolled up to me and she was like, oh my God. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. Um, with complete admiration. So like it was a lot of, it was a lot of love. But I just remember in that moment, I was like, is this what is, is this what this means? Like this, is this what this is like? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's because, I mean, and I think this also has to do with the way that we see ourselves versus the way other people see us even before we put anything out in the world. Talk about it. Like, if neither one of us ever wrote anything or had podcasts, it doesn't matter because the way that we present ourselves in the world Mm -hmm. has been the same. Like, we've kept our standard the same. Um, Even, and I I mean, I can only speak for myself, but even in the darkest of times, I'm not going to show up with a bad attitude. I'm not going to treat someone different because... Mm -hmm. It, it doesn't it doesn't benefit me to do that. So like the last four months have been mentally some of my worst days. Mm-hmm. But like no one would know that unless like you real close to me and then you do know. Shout out to y'all. But <laughs> <laughs> you've had to deal with my crazy. But um it's just like because that's not that's not how I want to present myself to the world. Mm-hmm. And so like people hold you to the standard in which they see you. And if they see you as someone who's joyous, if they see you as someone who's hardworking, if they see you as someone who's consistent, that's how that's how they're going to see you. It's when something gets thrown off in that, that like suddenly they're like, oh, they might feel a way. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like that moment where like, you hit someone on a bad day. Like, you know, like what, mm-hmm. like it's like, oh, like, like everyone be like, you really they were like that to you? And you'd be like, yeah. And they were like, oh, they're not really like that. I'm like, okay. You just have to take people at their word. But like, I think that that's something that's just, it's interesting because I think that we're always worried about how we are perceived. Mm-hmm. But like, if, like if you, if you show up the same way all the time, you never, you're not really worried about it until like, you realize that maybe you were holding yourself back the whole time. And so mm-hmm. now you're showing up differently. Mm-hmm. And people don't like different. They don't. They don't like when suddenly like things change or they, or like if there's growth there. So sometimes change, the change could be positive. Sometimes the change could be like, I'm on my way to positive, mm-hmm. which usually means it's pretty murky. <laughs> Yeah. That, middle, <laughs> that middle section means like, ooh, you might catch them on like a, like weeks of bad days. Mm. But like, 
you know that they're going to get to the other side, but it's just like, are you willing to, to walk that walk with them and not use that one moment that you interacted with them as like yeah. the perception that you create around their whole personality? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that also goes with the fact that like we don't, because we aren't always vulnerable or because we don't always show up, we don't, we don't recognize that people have layers. Yo. People have depth. Like, it's not like you're just... It's not like you met this person this one time and, like, they're the happiest person I've ever met. No, you met them when they just, like, had a birthday. Of course they were happy. They was lit. Like, who cares? Right. <laughs> but meet them <laughs> next week. They might be, like, really structured and, like, yeah. focused. They were probably working. Like, it's just, like, all of these different, like... Or you met someone... You saw someone on the street, like, I just think of all the times where you see people on the street, like, crying. Yes, this is a thing that happens in New York City. If you don't see someone crying in New York, like, I don't know that you're here. It's just, people do that. Crying and, and throwing up. Yeah, like, there's it's just, like, the two things that happen on the streets yeah. of New York. Yeah. At any given time. Um, but <laughs> if you met someone then, and you actually, like, say you stayed in contact with this person. So, like, you met them at a very vulnerable moment. Mm-hmm. There are... They're broke. They're broken in some way, and it's so so much that they can't keep it inside. Yeah. Well, then you. The hope is is that you're gonna see them in another moment, where there's there's a change. There's like something different, and that's like another layer. And like vulnerability has to do with depth and trust, and depth and trust. And so like, you worrying about your aunts that like kind of reminds you. It's like they've known you your whole life. They have, but even like you said. Um about change when you change and they've people feel like they know you and this isn't even just talking about my my aunts right now it's like just mad people um if they feel like they have you figured out but then all of a sudden you're different than what they expected that is inconvenient for them dominique had to take a sip of her water (laughs) that was good tea good that is true that's true how many of our people have we just been like oh i know exactly how you're gonna react to this and then they react differently and you're like i did not and sometimes it, it's sometimes it's like they might even be more positive they might be healthier than you anticipated them to be yeah they might have an uh an all over kind of radiance about them and that's what pisses you off because you weren't expecting them to be different or you wanted them to stay on your level. Yep. And sometimes I'm that petty person. <laughs> I will wholeheartedly admit that. Sometimes I'm like, why can't you just be mad with me? <laughs> or why can't we just both like be on the same tip about these salads? Like, I just—that's actually my favorite thing to be on the same, <laughs> on the same way like about like people be like, oh, let's go get a salad for what? I'm not paying fifty dollars, <laughs> but it's fine. We can go do it. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, it's true. It's like you trying to be healthy. I should be doing the same. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Like yeah. I didn't ask to be convicted in this moment. That's another word. <laughs> Which I feel like very much so connects to self-censorship mm-hmm. and how the convictions 
many times when we're self-censoring, I wonder if it's, do we feel the guilt of not saying what we were supposed to say? Hmm. Like, do we feel the, like, I, like, even though I might be perceived wrong in this moment, mm-hmm. even though the perception might change, mm-hmm. even though someone might have to grow with me or go away from me, mm-hmm. do I do I choose it? Do I choose to not self-censor in this moment? Can you think of a time where you felt like you should have said something, but you self-censored instead? And you regretted it. Mm-hmm. Ironically not. I would say this happens a lot for me in writing. Mm. Um, or just like communication in general. If things get heavy emotionally mm-hmm. in conversation... Mm-hmm. my knee-jerk reaction because I want to be able to I want to be able to form my thoughts mm-hmm. s- so they come off in a way that's like you good <laughs> like I don't mm-hmm. want to like so I will be like yeah and just like tap out mm-hmm. when really the other person could be like they could have really shared something and mm-hmm. you're like uh-huh. And I just like tap out. Yeah. I'll come back to it days later, probably in written format. So you were talking to me like how we're talking right now. Uh-huh. And I'll hit you with a text message because Ooh. I can control it. I can control. It has to do with like a control thing for me. That's real. That's um, real. And I mean, I feel like this can happen both in good ways, like someone could say something very sweet to you. It's sort of like that person that says, like, I love you, and then says, thank you. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, did you just say thank you to me? <laughs> I'm the person that says thank you. Because it's very difficult for me to, like, one, receive it, and then one, say it back. Because I feel like people could use it against you. Yeah. Like, you can now act whatever way you want to, because you know that, like, like, that's the reality of how we are as humans. Like, the people close to us, we can act wild too. Because we know that they're never going to go away. But, like, the reality is, like, they completely could go away. Yeah. That's and nice. so, but in moments of anger, I'll, I'll pop off heavy. I don't really care. Like, I'm just like, oh. Wow. You want to act wild? No, my voice is the sword. So you about to get every one of these, every one of these cuts. <laughs> I find that the opposite. (laughs) I'm the total opposite. If I'm angry and you're the person I'm angry at, you will not feel my wrath because I cannot control it. It's also a control thing. I'm scared of how I'm going to pop off. I'm scared of the things that I say potentially reverberating around in your mind for years to come and just kind of like almost ruining the friendship that we currently have so that it can never be that way again because you can't unhear certain things. And so I'll, I'll, I'll be the one who's like very pissed at you, but I got to take two or three days to, to sit and ask myself why I'm upset. 
ask myself all of the questions and if my feelings are in any way your responsibility. Look at you being responsible. Well, people don't receive it that way, though. <laughs> to be honest, they're like, why didn't you tell me day of? And I'm like, bitch, because I was trying to respect you. <laughs> I was trying to give you space. And by you, I mean me. <laughs> yes. And I'm trying to say things in a way that preserves my dignity and yours, but still addresses whatever the wrongdoing was. If that was on my side, your side both of us. I want to be real about it. And I want to be able to speak truthfully and not just, I feel this or I feel that. And so I think when it comes to creatively expressing that, you know, in the real world, I'll take a couple of days, but creatively expressing it, that's where self-censorship. Yeah. I mean, It depends on who my audience is. It depends on if this is something I'm writing in my journal for today so that I can make it to 4 p.m. Or if I'm planning to post this on Instagram later. If I post a poem where I'm talking about how it's hard to be single, mm -hmm. That's vulnerable, right? But it yeah. also falls into a trope of single women talking about how hard it is to be single. And I don't want to be seen that way. And so... That's interesting. So there are certain things that I... If I do put them out into the world, into a public space where I'm like, okay, and now I can't control anything after the fact. I mean, that's... That's really scary. Um, and, if, and if there's something that falls into a stereotype or a trope about uh, who I am or certain types of people in the world, then and, and if I really put that out there, then, then I've thought about it for a long time. And I weighed a lot of the pros and cons and decided in the end that somebody else needed this more than I needed to feel like I was exempt from these stereotypes. Wow. How, how is that, how has that like ch changed the, the creation though? Like how does that change what you create that goes out into the world, I guess, like versus like what you hold on to? Mm -hmm. Are like, I guess the question probably is, is like, are you holding on to things that should be put in the world because you're scared? Of, like, the perception of, like, them falling into a trope or a stereotype. I'm definitely holding on to things. There are probably whole gems that I haven't shared with the world. And and I think that I'm not the only one who's guilty of that. I mean, I will, I will definitely take responsibility. But let me just say, we are all doing that. Um, every creative has a treasure chest that they think is just for them to enjoy at home. But jewels sparkle the best when they're in the light. You know what I'm saying? So... I to drop some knowledge on these kids. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, what was your question again, though? I, so how does like, it change things? Yeah, how has it changed? And I guess, yeah, so how has it changed what you put out in the world versus mm -hmm. what you hold on to? 
And I guess now are you at the place that you, like, now that you recognize it, like, Mm -hmm. are you doing something to change that? Like, are you trying to just sort of, like, let those things go? I think, um, I mean, earlier I talked about weighing how much other people need this creative expression and whether or not that outweighs my personal need for being comfortable or um, being anonymous, if you will. But there's also a lot of pride in assuming that you know what other people need. Yes. So I might look through the number of followers that I have on Instagram and see that the majority of them are a certain demographic. But, I mean, does, does my post on Instagram just encounter those people it doesn't only encounter them because I, I well I don't have a private account I should I should clarify that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't have a private account um but you know like there are hashtags there are all kinds of other ways for other people to engage with that and I have no way of knowing how some of these words have landed in someone else's heart so I mean <laughs> I mean, I do have to come out and say that there are things that I'm withholding that would probably serve others really well, but I have not decided that they need it and then thus withholding it. You Oh, so you haven't made the decision. It's just like they exist and you haven't, mm-hmm. you haven't moved through that space yet mm-hmm. with those pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got some dusty gems. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm going to request the gems. I'm going to request them all. <laughs> in, in due time. It doesn't have to be right this second. It's true. It's true. But I guess I I think... I'm, as we're talking about this, I wonder, like, how many of us... How many of us have things that we don't want to put into the world? And what are those reasons? I mean, we talk about self-censorship and sometimes that looks like not using a certain word or a phrase in whatever it is that you're going to put out or um, just not going there wherever there is I'm not going to go there but sometimes self-censorship looks like withholding an entire piece altogether and I don't know like while the reasons may be about me, that I'm not loosing those into the world, sometimes um, sometimes it's a, I don't know, I just, can we talk about things that like, that cause us to self-censor in general in our culture? Like fear yeah. and, and isolation. We were talking about this earlier that sometimes you feel isolated. Uh, you don't feel connected to other people. But sometimes you you also feel different or other yeah. in a way that that kind of makes you feel like you can't put things out into the world. Yeah, I would. So the we were talking this earlier, and for me, I feel like isolation and different or other almost live in two different camps. Um, one happens like isolation to me just happens. It's almost like a self fulfilling prophe- prophecy, like. I want to be alone. I want to have space. I think that especially when we live in a culture of like introvert versus extrovert, 
They don't have to be in competition. <laughs> they don't have to be in competition. We all love people. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a little all bit. Right, all right, all right. Okay. I was like, okay. I feel like some introverts are like, I really don't love people. <laughs> um, and then there's introverts like me who love people, very social. So just like let us live our lives. Um, but, and then on the other side, you have different and other, and I think that, especially when it comes to the fact that, um, specifically both of us are believers. And so in that space, I think that a lot of times different or other has shown up, um, in how churches are separated, how they believe differently, uh, or denominations, if you will, um, races have been separated and they feel Mm -hmm. different or other versus majority culture and whatever those types of things are but in today's culture um i feel like we're seeing a very different way that all of us show up to do whatever it is we were called on this earth to do and i and i think that part of that the difference in other category is is that they don't feel they don't feel accepted in the space so like the i so we were saying that the difference between the the isolation and different and other is connection yeah like an isolated person can still feel connected to people different and other feels very apart or separate like they Mm -hmm. cannot even they're not welcome in the space Mm -hmm. and you can't have people who it's very difficult to have people who feel other a part of your circles and feel like they can work with you and so when they mm-hmm. don't feel like they can work with you they either go at go it alone yeah or they don't create at all that's the two that they live in because they're like no one's going to accept my truth here mm-hmm. and instead of thinking that it's just here they're like no one's going to accept my truth at all and that's the thing about creativity is that create no matter whether you're a painter, a sculptor, a singer, an actor, you're speaking the truth that you have and you're putting it into the world. And if someone feels like they no one will accept their truth, they're not gonna create anything. They're not gonna do anything. Yeah. And so that's like the biggest to me sense of self censorship. It's like, well no one's gonna even listen, so why why do it? And it's like that moment where it's like, um, actually, because the world needs you to do it. <laughs> like that's well, that's what we, that's what we're missing. Mm-hmm. And until we recognize that, like, we were made, we were all made different. That's the point. That was literally the Lord was like, I'm not gonna make y'all the same because if I did, y'all would be boring. Also, you would literally get nothing done. That's facts. <laughs> if you guys were all alike, you would be the most boring creatures on planet. Like. What do you? What else do you need? You'd be fighting over. We would find new dumb things to fight over. That's true. So, if that you know, like if that's the case, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to have different stories to tell. That all lift up the glory of who our father is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we see, I see that more now. But I at the through line to everyone's story in this process of their, like I just think of every Friday. Um, my favorite YouTuber, I talk about him a lot, Terrell. <laughs> He's like one of my favorite YouTubers. Um, uh, he loves singing and he loves singers, like true 
singers. And you know I love me a good vocal note. So, you know, I was like, I just started watching them and they were just so good. So I was like, okay. Um, but this boy loves the Lord. Like every one of his, like everyone on his show also loves the Lord. And it's kind of interesting that you have a through line through all of these. Some of these singers, like he's openly gay. Many of the people on his show are also openly gay. Mm -hmm. But then many of them just grew up in the church. And like, mm -hmm. it's a part of the gift. And it's wild to me because I was just watching an interview with that where he was talking about it. And he was like, he was saying like, that's, it's very, I had to accept that. Like, this is who I am. I can't change it. But, like, we aren't going to put God in a box. I said, oh, that's, you know, that's not, a, that's not really a novel idea, but it's something that many of us have done because we've grown up in the standard of, like, this is the way that mm -hmm. Christians look. This is the way Christians... Who knows? I, I, we really don't know. We can just go off of what we see, I guess. But I can tell you this much. There are people that he has touched more people than many people I can think of. Because he was just like, I'm going to just show up and be myself and love Jesus and let people preach and preach myself and be honest with my story. And guess what? You're going to fail. It's going to look real awkward. I'm just positive there are people that are awful to him. Mm. And that's like a different level of responsibility. That's a different level of purpose that you have. And that's the other thing. We all have different levels in this game. And I think that a lot of times we let the stereotypes and those, we let those things stop us because we're we don't know how to approach what's different we don't know how to approach what's other because it, it looks the same like i'm also single i'm single black and and got natural hair like what you talking about that's three super common stereotypes mm -hmm. most people would assume by the tone of my voice that i'm also angry but guess what if i'm all those things if that's all you got from the, my story, I'm not for you, and that's okay. Like, that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. But the reality is, is like, there's going to be someone that's like, I just need to know that somebody else feels the way I do. Yeah. And it's like, I think that sometimes we forget that. We forget, like, someone else is connected to our freedom. Someone else is connected to the story, the truth that we have. Yeah. And if we're we're not all the same. It's, it's crazy that we have a, a category that's like different or other. Mm -hmm. None of us are the same. None of us are normal. <laughs> what is normal? Right. In 2019, specifically in America, very specifically in New York City, which one of us is normal? The fact that we live on this, this, it, on this island is a literal social experiment. <laughs> that's real. <laughs> Like, all the New Yorkers that I know, they're like, you came here for fun? Like, you were like, this was the dream. I was like, actually, I was called here. And they're like, you asked for, you answered that call? Like, it just doesn't make sense to them. But it's like, it's a part of the story. And there's so many times where like, I'm like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about that. But I think that like, sometimes we're called to things that we don't want to talk about. And I don't necessarily think of it is regret. I also sometimes think of self-censorship is also like disobedience. Ooh, yes. 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 I was thinking about what you were saying earlier in, in this idea that um, 
that if somebody doesn't like your story or decides that it's a stereotype and just writes it off or subsequently writes you off, then you just kind of say, well, I'm not for you. I'm not for everybody. And that that comes from, like, it sounds like confidence in who you are and who you were made to be. And that's the thing that we have to consistently, like, continue to speak over ourselves every single day of our lives. Every single minute, really? Yes. Because you can lose that confidence. Real quick. That quick. Real quick. Yes. Especially when the trains aren't working. <laughs> but... Um, for, for people who have that confidence and that understanding and they live in the truth that they are not for everyone and that that's also okay, I would agree, yeah, then it's, it's disobedient for you to self-censor when other people and they're, I don't want to make it seem like life or death, but if someone is not living with a sense of purpose, are they really living? That's real. So when you're talking about how your purpose is kind of linked to other people's sense of purpose, um, not that you are solely responsible for taking care of them or what have you, but something that you were going to do might have had a ripple effect Mm -hmm. and brushed across their lives in a way that caused positive change. I mean, yeah, it's disobedient to not, be living out here with your full self and to not show up and to not put your work out there. And then there are other times, and I think that we can probably both relate to this, where we didn't have that truth so solidly rooted inside of us where we thought like, oh, I'm not for you because I'm not really for most people. Why would I be for most people? I'm not even really for myself. I don't know that I like who I am Mm -hmm. and there I think that's when I need other people's artwork yes yeah I mean I think that goes with the insecurity Mm -hmm. and and feeling defeated Um, which I think even for the most confident person it shows up pretty heavily and that's why yeah I think that that's why collaboration exists yeah a little bit is that you need like like i mean very very quite honestly you do need other people's art you do need other people just like you need other people in life you need to be able to see someone else doing something that's like oh you you are living out the way i should be doing it which is why like last episode i was talking about like I, like, I had to remind myself, like, this ain't about me. Mm. I think that, I mean, many times creativity, because most of us started cre- our creative purpose or journey by ourselves. We, we started it in isolation. Yeah. We were writing by ourselves. We were writing for ourselves. We took pictures for ourselves. We sang in our room. It wasn't until potentially we got a little more exposure. We put something out there. We shared it with one person. Yeah. But, like, we didn't realize that it could affect someone. But then when we learned that it had an effect on someone, it was like, oh, maybe this isn't, maybe this is bigger than me. But, like, it's, that's, like, a hard walk. It's a hard thing to fully grasp, I think, at first, is, like, what the connection to other people even is. Yeah. Because you shouldn't be making for people. Like, Mm -hmm. necessarily, like, 
I think that that's like something I know that many times you said it's depending on your audience. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Um, I don't know my audience. I never really thought about it because I was just like, audiences change. They ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. And who I thought my audience was, I think like when I started this, like who I thought my audience was was actually not my audience. So that's wow. was wild. It was like a polar opposite. And I remember actually it was because one of my friends was like, yo, white girls love you. And I was like, She's like, no, because you like make things that are really hard to hear palatable. Like you can you say it with enough truth and that smidgen of grace that just like they're like, oh, you don't hate us. I'm like, are you sure? Is that what you got? Oh <laughs> no. You're right, I don't hate you, but I want you to do better. Like <laughs> it's like a moment of like, I want you to be the best. Um But I just remember hearing that, I was like, I feel like a lot of black people listen to my podcast. <laughs> and they were like, nah, fam. <laughs> it's fine. But it's just like, those are the things that like you don't think about. Like, you're like, oh, I think the homies listen to it. Mm. And then you like find a bunch of random people over here that listen to it in the Midwest. And you're like, tell me more about this. <laughs> like, you like lean into it. Um, and it's like, had I known that, mm-hmm. I probably would have like taken back mm. half of what I said. Because mm. I'm like, I'm trying to like offend y'all. But also, why am I not trying to offend y'all if you've offended me my whole life? That's it. Like, wh- why? It's that weird moment. And so I think that, like, we, like, sometimes you just have to, I think that there's a part of it that, like, it is going to be so uncomfortable. And I also think that, like, the next part of, that we should talk about is, like, how do you cultivate that confidence in your work but eventually you have to do it and sort of like put it out there without thinking about what this is who this is going to affect because the reality is is we work for a king that yeah it's gonna he he gonna get to where he needs to get it to yeah like he is a great messenger he he does amazing things if he can affect the whole world what you think he worried about your little airwaves of the internet come on that's not that's not actually real but i do think that a lot of this is self-work it's healing work that we might have to do and i think that actually that's the part that we're afraid to do yes we're insecure about yes we're like oh healing is a lot of time and energy so you start to feel defeated and overwhelmed healing is not linear Healing is also, I'm going to be real honest, healing is trash. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because you have to re-enter the spaces of pain in order to address the wound. And I ran away from the wound because I didn't want to address the pain. Hello. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? Like, yes. (laughs) That's why I left in the first place. But it's just like, I just don't, I really don't get it. Like, I just like, why is this so difficult? And I'm like, oh, because like you just said, like, we have to go backwards to go forwards. Mm-hmm. And I think many of us, the thought of going back is just like, well, because you're still, you still have to function. You still have to live in the world, be around people. Yeah. Like, you probably still have to create. 
Yeah. Because so for some of us, like, not only is that our occupation, but it's also, like, it's natural. Mm-hmm. It's natural in the process to do. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also a, sm- a small part of people that they're... They avoid healing through art. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like both of these things, like the thing that you're avoiding doing, you're, you're using something else to do it. That might require you to step away from it. it. There's just like so many different layers to that. But like we can't keep, I think that a part of it, and I, I think especially for me as a black woman and like someone who creates a lot. Uh, I think a lot of times we create from a defeated place. We create from a darkness. Mm-hmm. We create from trauma. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. But that is that is another. It's reiterating trauma. Mm-hmm. We're allowed to have joyous moments. We're allowed to create from joyous places. Mm-hmm. Um, but it almost feels like a privilege. And many of us, we don't want to function. We've never functioned in privilege. Mm -hmm. So like having to do that now is, is different. So, but like it, I mean, in order even to get to that point, it's a long road. It's not straight. And so like, what do you, what do you do when the road is far more bumpy and your knee jerk reaction also is probably to go to go backwards, to go into yourself, to isolate. Because we don't want anyone else to see the wound. Because we're like positive. Like you're gonna leave if you see the wound. Yeah. And that to me is like, like we see it anyway. Like it's weird, like I just think of all the creatives that use art to like avoid pain. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we see it. Like, it's like, <laughs> like I'm watching you. Like, like, when you watch singers sing the same songs every night. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like, I, like, in my mind, I'm like, please have, a, please have a community. Please have people that love you, that you talk to every day, that, like, <laughs> breathe life into you. You, you go yes. into the word. Like, you talking to Jesus. I need you to be doing something. Because I'm like, this stuff is sad. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh. How, how do we, but then there are people that like don't have that community. They don't reach out or they like, because of like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know how to address this thing with another person. Mm-hmm. And it's like that form of trust and like being vulnerable where just like, I, I can't, you can't see this part. It's like, I already see it. Yeah. I haven't left yet. Just assume I'm not going to leave. And if I do, like, there's going to be somebody else, you know? But I think that, like, once that first one cut, that first cut happens, we're like, it's all downhill. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that, you know, when there's a wound that I know I need other people's help with, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to ask someone else to stop what they're doing to disrupt their day, to take their energy away from things that I know are very clearly important to them to help me out with that. And 
I mean, you were talking about sometimes how people can use art as a way of avoiding their wound. And sometimes it's best to step away from that method of art for a time until you can come back and really be honest. And that's kind of where I'm at with my poetry currently, which is also why I'm very clearly open about all of these things that I have tucked away that are not hitting the light just yet. Because I want to be honest and I also want to be responsible with the space that I have to speak. Yeah, I might have a lot of feelings all day, but uh, not everyone needs to hear them all the time. This, just because I'm putting something out into the world that somebody else can relate to doesn't mean that it's a positive thing. Mm-hmm. There are... Um, I talk about tropes. Uh, there are a lot of there's a lot of sad girl poetry out in the world, and it's like really... part of poetry. It's a sad part. Yes, yes, and uh, and sometimes it's just sadness, and there's no actual truth. It's just feelings in it, and so I'm I'm not trying to continue the cyclone that is simply sad girl poetry that ends up on Pinterest so that people can add it to their boards and feel feelings. I want people to be activated to do things with their life. Uh, But I need to take a break in order to be honest. And I'm trying to come back to your original question. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I I deviated a little bit. That was like good. That's actually like, I think that that touches on like a different side of it, of like the responsibility of your art. Because mm-hmm. specifically around feelings. Yes. And I get, I, I want to feel the weight of the words that I put out into the world. Uh, I don't want to feel it so much that I become some sort of, I don't know, so that I become self-important. But... I do know that uh, language is very powerful, and I know that I'm also upset with certain artists that do not feel their responsibility to make the world a better place. Yeah, by like switching the narrative eventually to activation of like a positive mm-hmm. forward movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And positive doesn't always mean clean. Like, it, it never, in my mind, means clean. I think it means, like, I, positivity in my mind, for some reason, has, like, a, almost a chaos to it. Yeah, there's a roughness yeah. about it. Because when you think about a seed that grows, I mean, the seed explodes. Yeah, it cracks open, like, yeah. fully. And then the actual stem of this plant has to push dirt out of the way to eventually hit the sunlight, but even then it's grimy AF. So I think about the responsibility in terms of like, I don't know, maybe planting seeds or watering seeds that are already there because the I don't make the growth happen. Mm-mm. Somebody else does. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm upset when people disregard growth or even hinder it. 
I feel like sometimes people just pour bleach on the soil. Mm. And just aggravate it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think there is a lot of art. And I think that that's definitely what I mean by creatives who are using it just to, like, cope. Yeah. As a coping mechanism. Because it's like... If it doesn't... I don't know, I just think of, like... I feel like we have a lot of art like that actually in the world right now, mm-hmm. which is why we have a generation of people that are growing up with zero coping skills. Yeah, and sometimes people, I mean, I hear this more with visual artists, but, um, you know, you've, the, the friends will gather around that artist and be like, hey, you draw really good portraits or you take really amazing photos or whatever. You should just get your coins do this, do that, just get yourself set up. But in the meantime, you know, all of these things are framed as portfolio pieces or things that, that'll just help you get settled so that you can do the work that you want to do. But every step that you take, that's, I mean, there, there's an intention behind that step. You are, you are making a decision with each thing that you choose to put out into the world. And if you feel like you've finally gotten to a place where your coins are right and people know your name and whatever, you may find that all of this, the decisions that you made up until this point have led you to maybe, yes, have a platform, but now you can't do things with that platform that you would like to do. Because it looks so different. Because you made all these micro decisions in advance that undid the possibility of that happening. And I, I don't want to like make this sound like it. I keep coming back to this do or die. <laughs> I don't know motif, but but it, I want I I want to take it seriously. Well, I was gonna say let's let's keep it a hundred. <laughs> if we started acting like do or die, mm-hmm. it might change what we did. Mm. It might change how we showed up. I think that many times we. We're like, oh, we got, always got tomorrow. Oh, we, oh, we got it when my money's together. We always have this idea that like there will be another day to do the thing that mm-hmm. we were called to do. Mm-hmm. But we, we, we aren't always promised tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it's the same way as like, I don't know. Right now we have a. Um, I also think of this just in like personal relationships. Give people their flowers while they're still here. Mm. We always have this thing that like, oh, I'll just tell them tomorrow how I feel. I'll wait for the right moment. There is never a right moment to do anything. There's not a right time to put out the thing. There's not a right time to make the thing. There's not a right time to say how you feel. There's never the right moment. The moment it pops in your head, that's probably when you should, you should say it. And it may feel awkward. In the Super mo- uncomfortable. It will, it will certainly feel awkward. <laughs> it will Embrace certainly it. feel awkward. But the, it's so worth it. And, and sometimes, I mean, I was using the idea of like a seed and soil a minute ago. Sometimes you just plant the seed and sometimes you just water it and you don't get to see actual growth. But when you do see growth in other people's lives or people come back to you and they say, dang, like, thank you so much for that one conversation that we had. Or I'm so glad that I saw your poem today. I didn't realize that I needed this, but I really did. 
things like that increase your faith tenfold about getting out there and and doing things. It, I mean, yeah, this all comes back to it. it's not for you. It's not for you. Yeah, and it, it, you, though you, but you still benefit from it. Mm-hmm. You still get the joy of doing the thing you love. That's real. You still get the joy of in, like encountering a person that you enjoy. Like you, you still get like what it means to be fulfilled in life. Yeah. You get the sense of belonging that you've been probably craving your whole life. Mm. And it's like, if you don't, if you censor yourself, if you put yourself in a box and you say like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Or, but what if they don't like it? Like, they might not. And that's fine. Also, who is they? And why do you care? It's like those weird, I think there's so many weird moments that we have with ourselves where we're like, it, it also, I think the, the thing about all of this that we haven't said is like a lot of this has to do with us. It has to do with how we feel about us. Yeah. Like we're constantly like, I'm afraid of me. Our insecurities are insular. Like we're not enough. Mm-hmm. Or we're too much for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because we haven't accepted the parts of us that are just like a little bit bigger than we thought they were going to be. Yeah. You know, like we're, and I mean, it's a part of how we're raised in this world to like, especially as Americans, to fit into the mold of what society has created for you. Like, you are going to be the smartest girl. You're going to be the prettiest girl. You're going to be like the it girl, whatever the heck that is. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be someone's wife. You're going to be someone's oh. daughter. I'm mad to be talking about being single and she made a face of somebody's wife. You were like, oh, somebody's wife. Somebody's going to be somebody's wife. Somebody. Or like, or husband or all these, like we just like put, like you're going to own the house. You're going to have the business. Like we've been molded to do these things. And then we get older. As, and I think that this is very specific to creatives. As we get older and we're like, I don't want to do any of that crap. Mm-hmm. To be honest, all the shit that you just said, I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, because it's not as safe. It's not as safe. Safety? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm like freaking out here. <laughs> because I feel like safety is such a thing. That is like, I feel like that's the part of the American dream that no one talks about. Like, we're like, it's a safe dream. First of all, the American dream is a lie. Second of all, it's not safe. Whatever version of the one that you're going to get is not safe. Yeah. It's not a safe way to live. But neither is being a believer. That's not safe either. Mm-hmm. But many of us signed up. It's not safe, but it's good. Ain't it? That's straight from C.S. Lewis talking about Aslan himself. Look at that. <laughs> it's not safe, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not safe, but it's secure. Mm-hmm. It's not safe, but it's super belonging and connected. It has all the things that we need, right? But like, we're like, but it's not safe. That's like the first knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. We're like, but it's unsafe. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's yeah. a wild ride. It's also, and while we say it's not safe, right? Because you're like, oh, that's a risk. I don't know if it's going to pay off. It's not safe. 
at the same time, it's not safe to deny or disobey or withhold because you become less of a person. And Mm -hmm. I can speak personally about this. I mean, maybe a year and a half ago, I was in a really tough financial spot. And so I was just throwing everything of myself into administrative stuff because that was what was going to make me money. That was what was going to keep rent paid. And why would I want to just write down poems? Why would I want to blog? Why would I want to do anything creative when it's, you know, people talk much more about how they need administrative help. Mm-hmm. People talk about how they need my organizational skills. They say they're amazing, whatever. I don't they know. are, so. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little note on that is funny. When when I came in here to record for all of those who are listening to this, when I came in here, I locked in with my notebook and opened up to all of my notes about the things that we were going to discuss today. <laughs> and then Dominique and I were discussing about how <laughs> some of us show up prepared differently. <laughs> Very different, y'all. Very different. <laughs> but to go back to my story, I, I, I tried to shut down the part of myself that was creative because I didn't want to waste waste energy on things that weren't going to turn a profit Mm. and I remember one of my friends sat me down and she was like you're you can't do this you're living half a life Mm -hmm. and I don't know necessarily what it looks like for you to be healthy or to be whole but you can't pretend that there's this part of you that doesn't exist Mm, that's good and yeah, I mean, all kinds of everything were attached to this part of myself that I kind of pushed down. I mean, it was just anxiety, depression, despair, you know, all of these things, insecurities. that They just, they, they roamed wild in my life during that season where I kept creativity suppressed. Yeah. And it's like, you can't, it's not sustaining. Yeah. So while it may not feel safe to try to be creative and and put yourself out there to to risk vulnerability it's not safe to suppress it either yeah and the reality is is that at the end of the day i think that we're also we're scared to fail Ugh. we're scared to look bad mm-hmm. um but we still have to do it like, because the, the reality is you're going to fail. It's not, nothing, I mean, like we said earlier, nothing is clean. Mm-hmm. It's not like we get linear, like, it's not like we're living a life that's just like, I was born, I went to school, I was successful, and it just goes straight, it just keeps going up. Mm-hmm. Like, most of us have had, like, major bumps in the road, and versus just, like, recognizing the bump and being like, that was a bump, you learned from it. Mm-hmm. Or, like, that was a bump, I have to heal from it. We just, like, avoid, like, we're just, like, we're, like, trying to drive on, like, a really straight, like, bumpy road. And it's, like, you could have just drove around. Like, you might have to take some detours and learn some different things about yourself. Try things. 
realize, nah, that's, that's the wrong term. We're going to go the other way. Mm-hmm. But I think that, like, that is something that we have to do. We have to embrace that idea that, like, it's not safe. Failure's not the end. It just is, it's a part of this work. It's a part yeah. of what we do. Um, it means, it means that you will have people who see you in a different way. And that may, that way may change. And you gonna realize that like, not everyone is trying to like walk away. Mm. I think that like, that's something that's very difficult for us to recognize when we expose ourselves. We're like, cause we're just so convinced. I mean, I can only speak of this personally, but I am so convinced people are going to leave. Like, I'm just like, it's just like ingrained in my mind. Yeah. And so when people are like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm like, I don't know I'm like, you're not going anywhere for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah. Because, like it or not, there's an expiration date on that. Yeah, and, like and, we all will die. <laughs> yeah, and you... Wow. <laughs> Just want to be blunt. We, we will all, all fail, <laughs> and we will all die. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but yeah, I... I I totally resonate with what you're saying about feeling like people are just going to leave. I mean, when are you going to leave? And I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Sometimes people leave not because of you, but because maybe they got offered this amazing job that that gives them a promotion and a decent salary, but it's in a whole other city. They're going to go off and live their best life, and I want to celebrate that for you. So you leaving has nothing to do with me, but now I gotta figure out how to navigate the world without you. Yeah, and that's difficult. Yeah, and then I'm like, messed up. I'm like, why do I even make friends? Cause now it's hard. But I think that, but that's almost like a positive thing. Like I'm thinking of like, that in the sense of like, they're gonna be, they're gonna show up in your life differently. Mm. And it's weird, I, my brain can delineate the two of those. Mm. I think that's part of the military kid in me, mm. where like, I was the friend that had to do that. Mm-hmm. Not because I not because I was like, I want to move away from you. Or like, I got a good promotion. It's because my dang dad, love yeah. you, Pops, but his job sent us around the world. And so I had to like learn to adapt and like make friends and then recognize that like, you're only going to be here three years. So then someone else is going to move. And they probably have already been mm-hmm. here a certain amount of time. So mm-hmm. it's just like, that's the way our lives were. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's different as an adult. I think because you are, when you're a kid, all of your feelings are like, it's, they're, they function differently. They're like fleeting. They're like, oh, this is fun right now. It's like, you can make friends by y'all with both on the swing at the same time. You're like, what's up? You want to make friends? And then y'all friends for literally the next 18 years of your life. And it makes yeah. no sense. But then when you're an adult. And you move to a new city and you're like, you've built this bond and then people, like you said, people leave. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that they are like, I'm never talking to you again. Peace out. Yeah. But like, they do function differently because you're like, now I gotta make sure to call you. Like, if you're not a good texter or a phone caller, then it's Ugh. like, sorry about it. Like, that's different. That's, a, that's also a part of being an adult, learning how to communicate in relationship is different. Because usually also when you're a kid, it's like, you live down the street. Mm-hmm. that's part of why y'all went to the same school you, mm-hmm. so it's, it was nothing anyway Yeah. but like as adults you have to like oh, I have to visit you like all of these different things <laughs> but then if you're like rolling your eyes but if you live in the same you. place and you're like but the other thing is it's like how many of us are actually getting beat with people it takes a lot of intentionality 
But then when you've created the intentionality, you also still have to be aware of like, I could say like, because all of us think that our wound is the darkest wound ever. Oh, because we see it up close. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, you gonna walk away. You ain't never gonna talk to me again. Mm -hmm. It could be like something super normal Mm -hmm. or it could be something very dark and you have to be like, okay. And just, but the reality is when you find your people, It's just like, you're like, okay, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. But there's still like a level of like distrust. I think I have personally, that it's like, please don't leave me. (laughs) Like, you know, like, please don't go. Um, And that's something that you like have to work through because it like, it also has to do with like healing, your healing process. But I think that like, when you find it, you can, when you find your sense of belonging, it can span the test of time. I have friends that I've had for over two decades. Like, that that takes work. That takes intentionality. That takes growing with some folks that you like. There have been multiple times I wanted to like yell at you, push you out of a moving car. It's the same thing as marriage. I think at that point, when you've been with someone for over two decades, you're like, I've almost pushed you out of a moving car at some point. <laughs> or I've almost died with you. It's either one of the two things. Like, you made me mad or we almost died together. Like, it's just, those types of things but like as an if you make friends as an adult that time frame that you've been doing things could be shrunken and so like you get deeper faster which makes things feel more fragile Mm. um and you might feel things more intensely than you did when you were six or 16 um so i think that like there's so many things that go Mm -hmm. with this healing process with the creative process Mm -hmm. But, like, know that, like, I think that there's, like, something that's sort of a through line is, like, someone needs your connection. Someone needs your person. Someone needs your truth. Yeah. And it's not always going to be pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I think that sometimes we like to know that there's going to be a nice moment of closure or a happy ending with how we share our story. But sometimes you step up to the plate and you swing because that's what you're there to do. And you, you don't connect with the ball at all. <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> but you would have let the whole team down and all the fans down if you never got off the bench. Yeah. That's just annoying. The thought of someone just staying on the bench I don't know. <laughs> no, I know it is because it's not brave. Yeah. There's no courage in staying on the bench. Yeah. Like, like I mean, I think I've said this literally my whole life and I don't know why. I think I have a lot of friends that got married really, really young and they would like fight with, they would be in fights with people or like there's like their significant other and they'd be like, they won't even fight with me. I was like, you can't fight with anyone who's not in the ring. And that's just like a reality of life. Like, you can't say that you're doing anything if you're not like putting yourself out there. Mm. You can't say you're being brave. You can't say you're like trying is like, like trying is literally like doing. I don't know why really the word try is like the strangest word in the English dictionary. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to do a thing. No, you're actually doing a thing. I'm trying to become a writer. Have you written things down? Yes. Okay, then you're a writer. Like, there's no trying. You just are getting better or not. 
I, I don't fully understand that. So I think that they're the brave thing, the courageous thing, is to literally like do it. Yeah, you're gonna swing in air. Like there's gonna be multiple times that you're like gonna get the no. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get the rejection. But at least you're gonna be like, I did it. I tried. They said no. But the reality is, no's eventually lead to a yes. One one person's no is another person's yes. That's actually another thing. But they're all like I mean it goes back to like we're not for everyone, but we're for someone. We've already been, we've literally already been chosen. We just hope to be chosen one more time. I feel like this podcast has snatched my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) I I love how you're saying that. You're on it. So it's snatched your life because of you. This whole, no. (laughs) This whole time, I mean, and I've been very honest about, you know, what I'm doing with my creative process and what I'm thinking through and all of that but I don't think that I have conversations like this often enough to where I'm really taking a step back and thinking why do I do that why is this the way that I am or why is this the way that people are and I mean now having had a lot of this conversation with you already I'm just like dang I need to get out there what am I doing and, and also, I think earlier I said I, I took a step away from poetry to be honest. And even in the midst of this conversation, uh, I was silently asking myself, what do I need to be honest about? Mm. Because I think sometimes I start with what I feel on the surface. What is the truth that I don't want to speak? What is the truth that I really don't want to look in the eye? And I think having this conversation makes me feel more ready to to go and dig a little. Yes, that was that was for somebody. That was for somebody. It was me, but it was also for somebody else. I just want to like what truths are we not willing to look in the eye? I feel like I feel like that's I feel like that's where we should end it. Like what truths are you not willing to look in the eye? And mm-hmm. where do you want to like, how can we make sure that you're digging to find that truth and accept it? Because the reality is it's yours. And no one gets to validate it. It's yours. You just have to, we just have to learn to be okay with it. Yeah. And I don't know, just like being prepared for the fact that that, that truth I mean, you've been avoiding it for so long. It's just not going to be pretty when you finally look at it. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty, but you got to uproot it. Because mm-hmm. it can't stay. Yeah. Really personally speaking to myself, like all of that was just for me. <laughs> <laughs> like that was, that was for free and it was mine. <laughs> oh, it was so good. It's so good talking to you today. It's really good talking to you too. 
Yes, guys, look at that. So, where can they find you on the interwebs to find the, the stuff that you have shared with the world? Correct. <laughs> Currently, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is c.l.you. I also have a medium page. I have a blog called Christina from the Midwest. Yes, love it. Love it, love it. And oh. the source, I was like, you can't think about your podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I get so used when I'm on my podcast. I get used to saying, this is where you can find me online. I've never had to tell you about the podcast in my podcast. <laughs> I also have a podcast. It's called So Story. You can find it on Instagram as well. It's called So Story. No spaces, no underscores, all lowercase. The podcast is about how stories impact the way that we see the world and engage with the world. So effectively, stories change the world. Yes. Love it. And you can find us at The Intersect Pod on Instagram. And Twitter, I believe. Sorry, look how long I haven't been on Twitter, y'all. And this show will be on there soon. Um, <laughs> also, you can find the these episodes on Spotify, Apple, and Stitcher, and my website, thekeysofd.com. If you would like to email us about this topic in any way that you um, are feeling about self censorship, or if you have a new topic, you can email us at the intersect the intersection podcast at gmail.com and you can find me your host dominique at d underscore creative on instagram for all my other things uh this episode also didn't have um eyes ears heart but i will put that in the show notes um i have a new pot a new playlist for this month as well as some other goodies and i can't wait to talk to y'all next week bye